you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offences. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Wonderful. Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Dave, part of the team here, and have the great privilege of being the youth minister in particular. Trained them well. That's good. Uh, It is great to be with you as we look at Proverbs again. And In James, God's word says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask for it. And God who gives generously will give it to them, which sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So why don't I pray and ask God for wisdom? And God, we really want to be wise. So we pray as we open your word and look at these Proverbs and think about speech, would you make us wise? Help us to live well in this world. Help us to do it for the glory of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen. Well, it is great to be with you uh, and great to be with all of us. It's the first Sunday of the month, which means we are together, uh, men, women, and children, everyone of every age in the same room, which is a real privilege. And for that reason, 
I've invited a friend to join us to help out this morning. Uh, Charlie is with us, and so is I said Charlie is with us to help us look at Proverbs. You there, Charlie? We got sleeping. Awkward. Uh, all right, let's do this, boys and girls. We'll do the thing. I'll count to three, and you say, wake up, Charlie. Does that sound all right? One, two, three. Wake up, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Oh, oh, hey. Hey, everyone. Hey, Dave. How you doing? A little sleepy there. Yeah, just getting my beauty sleep. Got to be ready for the big service. Well, that's, that's now. We're, we're at the service. We're, we're all kind of here. We, we've started. Nope. That doesn't start for a whole other hour. I think I see what's happened. Charlie, is it, is it possible that you forgot daylight savings again? Maybe. <sighs> this always happens. I hate daylight savings. Well, there's at least one good thing that comes out of it. What's that? Well, my microwave clock's going to be right again, finally. Well, that's something. That's something. All right, so what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to look today at what Proverbs has to say about our words. Oh, cool. Hey, that reminds me of a fun fact. What is the strongest muscle in the human body? I think I know this. Is it the tongue? Nope. It's the gluteus maximus. (laughs) But what do you think is the most flexible muscle in the human body? Oh, is that the tongue? Yeah, yeah. Great. I knew it was one of them. Oh, I've got heaps more. A blue whale's tongue weighs the same as a giraffe. And you've got 3,000 and 10,000 taste buds. Well, and... Charlie, hold on, hold on, hold on. We, I don't want to interrupt too much, but we do have like 114 proverbs about words in this book. And so we, we kind of got a lot to talk about this morning. We're going to look at 114 different proverbs? Not quite 114, but I've, I've divided them up into four big categories to help us navigate our way through them. If you like, the talk is, is kind of like Proverbs' top four tips on how to use words wisely. Oh, well, okay, that sounds more doable. In that case, I'm ready for it. I'm excited. I'm on the ball. I'm alive. Great. I'm awake. I'm alert. Enthusiastic. My head's in the game. My thinking cap's on. Hit me with it. What's the first heading, Dave? Talk less. Oh, um, I'm just gonna, I've got to see a man about a dog. Bye. See you, Charlie. We'll see Charlie again soon, I'm sure of it. But talk less really is the first tip that Proverbs has for us about words. John Mayer has a song called My Stupid Mouth, where he says this, My stupid mouth has got me in trouble. I said too much again to a date over dinner yesterday. I could see she was offended. She said, well, anyway, just dying for a subject change. Oh, another social casualty. Score one more for me. Anyone been there? Maybe it was a dinner date. Maybe it was a lunchtime hang. Maybe it was a coffee catch-up or a water cooler moment at work. But we've all put our foot in it, haven't we? We've said too much, or we've said the wrong thing, or we've said something in just the wrong way at just the wrong time. And if that's ever been you, Proverbs has kind of a simple suggestion, talk less. 
Look at these proverbs. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Or 13.3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his, his lips comes to ruin. Or 21.23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Or 29.20, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs is full of wisdom about words for us, but one of the key themes you kind of can't get away from is maybe we could talk less. Maybe that's a step towards wisdom. When I was growing up, kind of my late teenage years, I thought I was wise. I wasn't, but I thought I was. And one of the unhelpful reinforcing pieces of feedback that I kept getting was, Dave, you seem kind of wise, just like your dad. Now, my dad genuinely is maybe the wisest person I know, but I am certainly not. Here's the thing, though. I've picked up all of my dad's mannerisms. The way he, he thinks before talking, and then he looks at the ceiling and scratches his chin, and then he speaks slowly and quietly to make whatever is seen seem kind of profound. And Proverbs has a point, doesn't it? That, that using words sparingly may well be a step towards wisdom. Hopefully, I am growing in wisdom. But one of the questions I want to keep asking myself as I kind of try and measure that is, how quick am I to speak? How quick am I to speak? Now, I, I think, under God, I'm on a journey towards wisdom. I still say more than I'd like, and I still hurt people with words. But one of the ways I can tell I'm making a little progress is that I do say less than I used to. My wife, Lexi, and I've been married nearly 10 years now. We've got two kids, so it's getting pretty serious. And uh, we've learned that we might be getting wiser. Because when we have a disagreement, on a very rare occasion where we have a disagreement, there's a lot more silence than there used to be. It's not a passive-aggressive, I'm never talking to you again kind of silence, that's different. But, but there is a thoughtful silence now that maybe wasn't there before. I've got big feelings and she's got big feelings about whatever we're talking about and, and we're learning to take time with that to actually try and come up with the best thing to say next and, and the best way to say it. Because the first thing that comes into my head is not usually the most helpful. It's just the one I want to say the loudest. But Proverbs would encourage me to, to slow down, to find the best thing to say and the best way to say it. So there's a, a few ways you can measure this yourself. Are you quick to speak or are you happy to think about it? Are the words, let me think about that, or even, I don't know, in your vocabulary? Do you have the skill of counting to 10? Because it's a good one to have. Listen and think 
and leave a little silence. Everyone will be okay if we don't always fill the gaps with words. If you don't have anything wise to say, maybe try not saying anything at all. Or at least speaking slower. Which, by the way, also applies to our online communication. I'm aware we'll all have different relationships to online communication, but, but I think it is kind of a gift because if you're texting or WhatsApping or emailing or whatever it is, you have time to formulate a reply. There is something less urgent about that than an interpersonal face-to-face conversation. For some reason, we tend to be even hastier when we type, don't we? We think about the thing we want to say loudest in all caps lock, and it seems like they're maybe not as real a person on the other end, and so we're not as careful with our typed words. And I think that's a missed opportunity to get wise with words. Because here is a way of talking that has time built into it. So let's, let's use it. A little while ago, I was making a concerted effort to become a better writer. And the best tip I got was this. Every time you write an email, go back and write it again before you send it. Write the email, do whatever you think you need to say, give it an hour, and then come back and have another go. It was incredibly inefficient, (laughs) a little bit annoying, but I learned so much about the way I'm prone to use words when I'm not thinking carefully about them. I learned to pick better ones, find different ways of saying things. that's, That's one possible thing. You don't have to do it, right? It's just an idea. Another one would be this, write letters. Imagine that. Because if you're going to take the time and the energy to find a pen that works and a piece of paper and then spell the words correctly without the safety net of autocorrect, you're just going to choose better words. Those words are going to be worth writing, and I think they're the ones we want to say and type as well. Whatever it is, Choose your words well and use words sparingly. For most of us, that'll mean talking less. Because our words have weight. So we want to choose them carefully. But what is it about words that give them so much weight? Why are they so powerful? Well, well, the second tip that the book of Proverbs offers us is this, that words have a life-giving power. Look at these Proverbs, 12.22. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. 16.24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. 15.4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. 15.23, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season. How good it is. We could do so much good with our words, can't we? Uh, Last week, I was uh, just, well, I was walking on the golf course, but that's not important. 
And uh, I, I got a text message with a voice memo in it. And a friend of mine had taken the time to speak words of life to me. It was completely unprompted. I had no idea what it was going to say, but it was a word of encouragement. I played great that day. <laughs> but, but I walked taller for the rest of the week. I had more life in my bones because someone had taken the time to speak gentle, kind, encouraging words. And, and it was such a simple thing. I know that it took him exactly 63 seconds. And it changed my whole week. I, th- I think we know this, but, but do we do this? Are, are we using words proactively to encourage one another? Uh, on and off for the last few years, I've been praying for the gift of encouragement. Because I've seen it in other people, and they're just the best. <laughs> They're not just fun to be around, although they are. They're good for the church. They're good for the world. Because they speak life. So what would that look like for you? If you're going to take one practical application from this sermon, try this. Send a text message to someone who's not expecting it. Just encouraging it. Don't need to say why. Just do it and see what happens. Here's another little tip you could try. Alexi and I have started doing this over the last few years, and and it's really helpful. Again, this is not in Proverbs. It's a tip. Uh, Share the praise of someone else. Third-party praise seems a little bit more powerful somehow. So if Lexi really enjoys a Sunday sermon, and she's sharing with me how much she enjoyed the Sunday sermon, it's one thing for her to tell the person who was preaching. But for some reason, it takes a more weight when I tell them how much Lexi enjoyed it. Does that make sense? So let's make praise go viral. Let's let these words of encouragement come via a third person or a fourth. Because Proverbs has a lot to say about flattery, and and we're kind of suspicious people sometimes. Face-to-face, it's easy to say someone did a good job, but... When they're not in the room and you say that anyway, gosh, isn't that life-giving? So so let's know that words have a life-giving power and let's use them like that. It's really practical, but but so wise and, and kind of fun too. Words are powerful. Words are a little bit like bricks, actually, that you really can use them to build stuff. But like bricks, you probably only need one to break something as well. That brings us to our next heading. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words can really hurt you. Now, if you're taking notes, I sincerely apologize for the length of that heading. <laughs> but it is right there in Proverbs. Look at 25:18 with me. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe. Wounding them with a sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Words can be weapons. It's no accident that we find ourselves talking about a war of words. 
Because words are powerful in every direction. They can be wonderfully life-giving and they can be sharp or cutting. Words can be destructive as well. Hey, hey Dave, I'm back. Oh, hey Charlie, you're back. That, that's great. I, I thought you had to see a man about a dog. Oh yeah, I did. It was fine. What, you actually saw a man about a dog? Yeah, I, I had to return one. See, this guy sold me a pet and he said it would be a great watchdog, but it hasn't helped me with the time once. That's why I was late this morning. Oh, I see. Uh, that's a shame, Charlie. Yeah, but don't worry. I'll be writing quite the Google review. Okay, well, I wasn't worried, but I think I might be now. What do you mean you'll write quite the Google review? Let's just say it's going to be extensive and elaborate, somewhere between business review and fanfiction. Well, Charlie, be careful with that, won't you? Oh, Dave, I'll be fine. They're anonymous. They'll never know it was me. Well, that's not quite what I mean. Like, yes, they might be anonymous, but you really can cause damage with your words. We were just talking about that. What do you mean? Well, one way that Proverbs would talk about causing damage with your words would be name-calling. So if someone was, I don't know, to call you a Muppet, how would you feel? Oh, well, actually, I'd take that as a pretty wonderful compliment. But I think I see your point. What else have you got? Sure. Well, there's name-calling, uh, but also there's things like slander or gossip. But, I mean, look, there's two more, but maybe it'd just be quicker if, if I oh, kind of... Oh, Dave, Dave, it's all right. Someone wise once told me, talk less. I got it. I'll leave you to it. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Charlie. Two more ways that words become weapons. Slander and gossip. Words that are either untrue or just unkind. Now, now slander, maybe not a word we use all the time, but it's a concept I think that we get. These are the words that are designed to tear someone down that are usually untrue. And we saw it before in Proverbs 25, 18. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe. It's the spreading of rumors, the dishonest exaggerations. And maybe we're prone to this, especially in an age of dis, oh, sorry, digital anonymity. The Google review, that's not quite true, is all too easy to write. And maybe we think it's okay to tell these lies if we'll never get caught, but it's just not. Because slander is damaging, it's totally destructive, but... But here's the thing, I think slander is also a little bit obvious. I think gossip is a little bit more subtle, and that makes it a little bit more dangerous for us. Because it's possible to hurt people with words that are true as well. That's gossip, but it doesn't have to be untrue. Just unkind and unfavorable words about someone when they're not there. That's a little bit more pervasive for two reasons. And they're both in Proverbs 26, 22. It says, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Context tells us that this whisperer is talking about people causing division 
And, and this proverb tells us there is something delicious about a juicy piece of gossip. But there's something deep that goes on too. It can feel good, but those bad words, they sink down deep. They might taste good, but they will poison you against the person who's being talked about. See, the way words work, particularly when it's gossip, is they're damaging to the person who speaks them. And they're damaging to the person who they're about. But they're also damaging to the person who hears them. Because you can't shake that information. It, It twists your idea about another person. So we want to be really careful about gossip. Because here's one of those things that I only ever really hear talked about in sermons and Bible passages. But I don't ever remember someone putting up their hand and saying, you know what, I gossiped. Because even if we agree that gossiping is wrong, I think it's really simple to overcomplicate the situation to get ourselves off the hook. To say something like, well, I wasn't gossiping, I was just sharing news. It wasn't gossip, I was, I was just taking an interest, showing care, spreading the network. I, it wasn't gossip, I was sharing a prayer point. Could it be that maybe we're a little more prone to gossip than we think? I think the warnings in Proverbs would cause us to ask at least two questions of all our words. The first one is, is it true? Is what I'm saying, particularly if it's about a person, is it true? The second one is this. Would I say this like this if that person was in the room? The way we talk about people impacts us, it impacts them, it impacts the listener. Would I say these things in this way? If I knew that person was going to scroll through this conversation. I don't know about you, but that's a particularly scary thought to me. Someone scrolling through all the conversations on my phone. Why is that so scary? Well, it might be that the way we use our words needs some work. That's probably true. But I think even if we were positive in our words, someone taking our phone and scrolling through it would still make us feel vulnerable. Why is that? Well, that takes us to the final tip Proverbs has to say about our words, and it's this. Words are a window to the heart. Throughout Proverbs, one of the most striking things about words is the way they are a clear insight into the inner workings of a person. 18.4 says this, Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like like a bubbling brook. Or 16.23, From a wise mind heart comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. What wisdom comes out of a person 
through their words, it bubbles up from the inside because it's there. Reminds me of what Jesus says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's true when it comes to wisdom. And it's also true when it comes to foolishness. Foolish hearts lead us to say foolish things. Yes, a picture can paint a thousand words, but words really do paint a picture of a person. They really do show us what we're like. They reveal the heart for good or for ill. That's how you know if someone is wise or foolish. You listen. You might ask then, well, how do I appear wise with my words? I think to do that is maybe to miss the point a little bit. If you're thinking about just trying to use words in a way that makes you look wise, that's like stapling fruit to a fruit tree. It's not actually doing any good. Words are like an x-ray machine. They show you what's really inside. You don't go to the doctor's surgery and think about how to fool the x-ray. That defeats the purpose. Here's the unfortunate thing. If you want to be wise in the way that you speak, be wise. If you want to be godly in the way you use your words, be godly. Because that will come out through your words. Because the thing about words is they reveal which is kind of terrifying, isn't it? That our words reveal our character. Doesn't that make us fearful that one day those skeletons in our closet might escape through our speech? Words reveal, and that makes us nervous. But at the same time, words reveal... And that's wonderfully good news. Because God has spoken. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Long ago, At many times and in various ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Here's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Words reveal And that's good news because God has spoken in Jesus. Tomorrow night we're starting a course called Introducing Jesus. Not too late to join. Come along 7 p.m. in the old church. Join us. We'd love to have you. But but the way the course works is quite intentional. We're going to spend all four weeks looking at one guy. It does what it says on the tin. We're just going to introduce people to Jesus because I'm convinced the best way to explore the Christian faith is to explore him. And that's why we put all our eggs in this basket in the course because when you look at Jesus, you see God. 
And you see God as he really is. That's how we get to know him. He is the word of God. He is what God has said about himself. And there is no gap between what God says and who he is. And that's good news for people like us who fumble about with our speech, who say things we regret. Because when we read the Gospels and we encounter Jesus, we see more than just his miracles. We do see that, but we see more than just the power of God. We see the personality of God. When you see Jesus, you see what God is like. You see what he loves. You see what he hates. You see how God treats people. You see how he cares for the vulnerable and the lowly, how he's not put off by unclean or unholy people, but his heart moves towards them. I I have no trouble believing that God has the power to forgive my sins. But I sometimes forget that he just loves doing it. And then I look at Jesus. And what I see is surprising. It's almost too good to be true. And then I remember, no, this is what he's like. I love this quote by Dane Ortland. If there appears to be some sense of disproportion in the Bible's portrait of Christ, then let us be accordingly disproportionate. Better to be biblical than artificially balanced. See, Jesus doesn't look like we'd expect him to look. But that's because we're wrong, not because he is. We can trust that this is what God is like. You cannot look at Jesus and say, yeah, but but God's just not like that. He is because words are a window to the heart. And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son and he says, come, all you who are weak and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says, in my father's house, there are many rooms and I'm preparing a place for you. He says, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Why does he say this? Because words reveal. And this is what God is like. So look who's talking and listen. Let me pray. God, please make us wise. Make us wise in the way that we use our words, but make us wise about you as well. Help us to know what you're like. Help us to trust and believe with faith that you're good and kind and just and merciful. 
We thank you for the gift of Jesus, that you have not left us in the dark about who you are. So we pray we would see him and know you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.